Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Let's begin. As you're finding a seat, we're going to jump right in. Hallelujah. Looking good. We've got people that have been all over the world this year. Boy, this has been a busy summer. We have people in Puerto Rico. We've had people in Mexico, Honduras, soon to be in Africa. But I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's open in prayer. Father, thank You. God, we ask that God that You would just download into our spirit today. God, the, the ability to hear God, to receive and to learn. God, that we might leave this place different than when we came. Father, I pray today that God, that this is a supernatural service. That God, that we look back on and God, that we know that we're not here by any kind of mistake or chance. But God, that we received what you had for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, it's good to see you here, and you might have thought, well, what am I going to do today? Let, I tell you what, let's go to the chapel. Let me tell you, you're not here by accident. And the reason why is because I've been praying for you. It's good to see uh, Josh and Paige here. It's good to see them. They are, uh, um, man, they are part of our church. No matter where they are stationed around the world, they're, they're part of us. And it's good to see them. Uh, Man, we just love to see everybody. Man, summer is, is kind of a, a, a time in Texas, isn't it? Where you go, it's about over. No, no, it's not. It's just about starting. About August, you think it should be over, and it's got a good 30, 60 days, so hang in there. You know what? Uh, this morning, uh, the title of my message is The Captain. And uh, if you had to guess what I was going to talk about, Maybe you'd come up with a lot of different ideas, but I'm going to talk about the tongue, the captain, the captain that can be the leader if we're not careful. You know, years ago, I had a part-time job at UPS, and uh, let me tell you, it was going to the salt mines every morning. I mean, it was it was rough, but but in the morning hour, I would get up and I would go in and I'd kind of drink some coffee before I staggered into work. And, and I remember watching this uh, show on uh, these different athletes and how they would play practical jokes. Now, you got to remember, this was a, a Pro Bowl football environment. It was at Hawaii, and that's where they used to have it. And, and what they would do is just through the power of the tongue, it's called the power of suggestion, they would say something and then they would interview these football players. So you got the picture. And uh, these guys are like 350 pounds, six foot four, six foot six. I mean, they're huge. And, and what they would do is before they would interview them, you know, and say the typical things, they'd say, hey, have you eaten at Joe's? And they would say, Joe's? And they'd, they'd show a restaurant just, you know, over here a few feet, you know, by the swimming pool where they were being interviewed. And they'd say, no, I haven't eaten at Joe's. And they'd say, just be careful because... They've seen some rats. And exactly what you are doing, these big guys would go, okay. And then they go, well, what's your chances of winning the game? And you know what football players usually say? They say, well, if our defense can hold them and our offense can score some points, we have a good chance of winning the game. You know, well, well, thank you for that. But in the middle of this interview, they would not know it, but they had a stuffed animal about this big, and it was black hairy and it was just a stuffed animal and they had some like dental floss tied to it 
and they would drag it across these football players' feet, and the guy giving the interview would just kind of look down and step back. Now, now the genius of this was the power of suggestion. Now, remember, these guys are big enough that they can bend bars, you know, they can just, I mean, they can tear anything up. They shouldn't be scared. But there's something that just at that early hour in the morning, can I get a witness? When you get a football player going, <laughs> you know, because of this thing that's going across his feet that's not even a rat, power suggestion. It's the tongue that put it in his mind to give a reaction to something that really he shouldn't have even been afraid of. Now, this morning, I'm going to kind of tip my hand. You know, usually I kind of try to, you know, get the plane up a little bit before I kind of give you the main thought. But here's the main thought today. A lot of you are going through things in your life that has been kind of, this season of your life, you kind of like, man, I'm dragging this big pile of rocks behind me. What's up? And you're saying, God, I want to break through. I want to see some things happen in my life. What, what seems to happen is life happens. We know that, right? We know that we're going through life and all of a sudden a series of, it seems like a series of things happen. And sometimes they're, they're most of the time they're out of our control. Seemingly. Now, now watch this. There's all kinds of little what I call ankle biters. Those little stuffed animals that we could just kick off, but they just keep coming. Anybody ever been there before? series of events had happened in the Miller's house. And the other night at 2 o'clock in the morning, the fire alarm went off. Smoke detector. You know, and it's not one of those things of, what is that? I hear something. No, it's like, you know, from here to Peyton. I mean, just right there. So, I, you know, I'm going from REM to, to race car driver that quick. I, I open the door to see... If Heath is roasting coffee again, but it wasn't Heath. And I, I look out and there's no smoke. And, and I, I, I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here? Now, if I'm not careful, I look at Gwen and say, what have you done? Tongue. But what, what, what had happened is, after being in the house that we live in for 15 years, that it just so happened... That was its last hour alive. That, that smoke detector, it just chose to be around 2 in the morning. Ankle biter. So, so being the uh, mechanical engineer kind of guy that I am, I took the door and I waved it a couple times and it went off. <laughs> went back to bed. Quiet. An hour later. Ah! I get a ladder, which now we don't have in our garage because we're redoing that. It's down ways, and it, it's like all the way. So i got to get on clothes to go down to get the ladder, bring it back up, and I set it up, and I take the battery out. Go back to bed, not realizing that because it's hardwired, it's going to chirp every 20 seconds. So I get my cell phone, and I tell Gwen, I can't hear it from the garage where the breaker box is. I mean, it's like in the other room way over there, and I'm flipping breakers. we got to wait for 20 seconds. 
You hear go, yeah, I just heard a go. Flip that one back on, flip another one. We go through the whole practically, the whole breakers to find the right one. And then back to bed at three o'clock. That whole ordeal was over an hour long just to get there. Now you say, Pastor John, come on, that's not that big. And it isn't a big deal. But all the series of events that have gone on in the Miller's life in the last just days. Anybody with me? Anybody been where the Millers have been? Now, I'm not preaching something I heard or wrote, read, read in a book. This is something that I'm experiencing. So, so, so what happens is life happens and a series of things happen. And before long, if you're not careful, you experience helplessness. Where you're thinking, I, I need some help, but I can't get any help. And it just seems like it's a series of events are happening. And I'm telling you, if you stay in that situation long, you come to the next season and you don't even know half the time you're in the next season. And it's called hopelessness. And hopelessness is a place where you begin to go, this is the way life's going to be forever. Now we know as people of faith that faith is being sure the things we hope for. When you lose hope in your life and you become hopeless, then if you're not careful, here's the message today, that the tongue begins to waggle and you begin to confess and confession leads to possession. And you receive what you've been speaking about. And it goes again and again and again and it's called the crazy cycle that isn't scientific that's what i made up now if you have your bibles look at romans chapter 12 this is out of the message translation so it might be different than what you've heard it before but th this is this is something that's going to really hit you look at this so here's what i want you to do God helping you, and all of us need help in this. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Even when the smoke detector is going off in the middle of the night. Okay, that's not in there, but if you're following along, you know that. Look at this. Embracing what God does for you. You, you embrace what God is doing for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. In other words, being thankful. Look at verse 2. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Boy, doesn't that hit us? If we're not careful, we're in our culture before we even know it. Don't do that, he says. Instead, fix your attention on God. Now, now, why is it so important? If you've been here, you know why it's so important. Because whatever gets your attention determines your direction. So he's saying, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. We call that transformation. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, now, here's what I want you to 
just open up your hearts today. As the theologian Mark Twain said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. Sometimes we get a lot of education, and, and that's good, a lot of content, but if we're not working on it in our life, if we don't process that through our lives, it does not change us. I want to say this a couple times. A lot of times we'll go through life and we'll go into a problem and then we'll look back and go, what was I thinking? I knew better than that. I've said that. Anybody else? And what we're saying is, you know what? I had already learned that principle in my life, so why did I do it? So this morning, again, open up your heart when we're talking about this, that it's not what you know, but do you have it in the forefront of your brain when the opportunity crosses your path? What I'm talking about today and when we're working about the tongue is it's so easy to get into a situation that we already know what to do. But we go back to our culture and fit in and do the very things that are the world that does not know Christ is doing. Now, they're not surprised that they're getting what they're always asking for, but we should be. We should be saying, whoa, whoa, wait just a minute. Why am I continually staying in this place? And it might be stage one of helplessness. It might be stage two of hopelessness. It might be the beginning of confession or the middle of confession. If you're not for sure, you can ask your wife. Or your husband. And confession leads to possession. So, so watch this. That if, if you're not careful, you become like the culture around you dragging you down to its level of immaturity. But God brings us the best out of us and develops well-formed maturity in all of us. It, it's so important to realize that there is power in this little thing, usually it's red, called the tongue. And when it begins to talk, we begin to line ourselves up with it. There's a lot of people that go, Pastor, I, I'm so tired of talking about that stuff. Let me tell you, you watch. And as a pastor and as a leader of a church, I want us to begin to realize how, again, how important our confession is. In 1944, the Germans, the Nazis, were at war with the world, pretty much. And what they did is they spent a lot of their resources in building this monster battleship called the Bismarck. And this battleship, because they didn't really have a real powerful navy, was going to change the tide of the war. But it was on, after four years of being built, only on service or in duty for nine days. And the way that it was defeated was a biplane. Now realize that this is the... This is not World War I. This is World War II when biplanes were pretty much obsolete. They were, what are they even doing? But a biplane flew over and saw this mammoth ship and torpedoed it in the rudder. The little thing that controlled this big mammoth ship was damaged. And therefore, even though that they had a massive, really, army on top of the, in, in the ship, you know, to be able to defeat any foe, they'd already defeated a couple other battleships and cruisers, but this little biplane was able to knock out the rudder and left it going only in a circle. 
And the English Navy, the British Navy came in and sunk it. The, the Bible tells us a story like that in James. And it says it in James chapter 3, verse 2. Listen to it again. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, get that, in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in his character, without serious flaw, able to bridle his whole body and reign in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Does anybody have a problem taming your tongue besides John Miller? Anybody? Anybody? I'll give you time. All right. It goes on to say, now if we put bits in a horse's mouth to make them obey us, we guide the whole body, their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In other words, the captain determines. Just this little rudder. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. That little tongue that we have has the ability, again, to guide us through life into bad waters or good waters. Now, I haven't said this in quite a while, but as you allow the Word of God, which we're talking about today, to come into your life, we know and we've, we've always lived by the Word of God is the foundation of everything in our families, in our marriage, in our, our children, raising them. And we base our life on the Word of God. We know that the words that God has given us change our destiny. It's the transformation inside out. So what happens is we know that when words are spoken, they change our thinking. Some of you might say, oh, I know that. Could you, could you finish it without seeing it? Words change our thinking. And when our thinking changes, it changes our emotions. It changes then our habits and then our character and our destiny. Now, now watch this. If, if we realize that words change our destiny, it's not just the Word of God. I can listen to somebody with the power of suggestion that's speaking fear, doubt, and unbelief in my life, and it's not long until I'm become, if I'm not careful, if I'm not protected, I can come right into agreement with them. It's the power of suggestion. It's like someone saying, have you eaten at Joe's? There's a rat over there. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're going, I don't believe it. Ah! We have to realize that when words change our thinking, then it changes our emotions. Our emotions can scream at us so loud that we can't hear any kind of reasoning from somebody else. We can be offended because of what the tongue said to us, somebody else said to us. And we can be so offended that our emotions begin to scream, don't listen, don't listen, don't listen. It's funny that, you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys that feuded throughout generations, they finally got some of them and said, do you know what you're feuding about? They didn't even know. Just what someone told them. We don't like them and they don't like us. 
You know, sometimes we think that we can tame our tongue or tame what we say because we're quick-witted. A young man worked at a grocery store and he just got hired and the manager was a little bit questioning, you know, if he should have hired him. But the manager quickly realized that he had made a pretty good decision when one day the young man was out working produce and an older lady that had gone to that grocery store for years came in and went up to the young man and said, uh, Son, today all I want is a head, half of a head of lettuce. And he looked at her and said, Ma'am, we can't set you a half head of lettuce because if we cut it, the other half turns brown and it just, it don't work that way. She says, Son, you haven't worked here. I've come here for years and I demand that you sell me a half a head of lettuce. So he said, wait just a minute. So he walks down the hall and goes into his manager's office and says, you can't believe it, but this half-witted, brainless old lady is out there that wants a half head of lettuce. Well, he's looking at his manager and the manager's going like this and he turns around and he sees that that older lady had followed him in. In which he looked at her and went, and this beautiful lady wants the other half. <laughs> Later in the day, the manager found him and said, you're, you're pretty quick on your feet. Where are you from, son? He said, I grew up in Grand Rabbit, Rabbits. And I mean, Grand Rabbits has got, you know, we're known for our hockey teams, our good hockey teams, and our ugly women. In which the manager said, my wife is from Grand Rapids. The young man said, uh, what uh, hockey team does she play on? <laughs> now again, if you've heard that, what I'm trying to get my point across is sometimes we think that if we're quick-witted with our tongue, that we have the ability to say, I've got it under control. This morning, when, when you think about what you go through in your life in, in the way that you're the way that you talk, it's not what you know. It's what you do with what you know at the point of the opportunity. It's easy to forget and begin to lean on your own understanding, your own flesh. I can get myself out of this if I just am a little quick witted. See, in Matthew chapter twelve, verse Verse 33, I want you to see this. It says, for the mouth speaks out of that which is fills the heart. So in other words, what comes out of a man's mouth is actually what's inside his heart. Now, now Jesus even says this. Now, now, everybody pay attention here because this is so important and it's kind of like, what? It says, a good man will bring out the good things in his heart and the evil man brings out the bad things in his heart. But it says, in verse 38, but I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless or useless word they speak. Every time I read that, I go, oh. It's for by your words, which says, reflecting your spiritual condition. It's by your words, which reflect your spiritual condition. You will be justified and acquitted of the guilt of sin, and by your words rejecting me, you will be condemned and sentenced. Now, that's pretty powerful in talking about the tongue. 
If you go back to James, which James is, is talking about how powerful the tongue is, and it's small like it's the rudder of a ship guiding, and it's like the bit in a horse's mouth. But if you go back to verse 13, it says, this is what I want you to see. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good deeds or his good life done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Everybody goes, yes. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, and watch this, do not boast about it or deny the truth. I've read that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's like saying, don't boast about you not obeying the Word of God. You're boasting and you're denying the Word of God in your life. This is so important for us to understand because when we go through those times and we begin to see under pressure that we respond to what we see, what we feel, what we think, we tend to open our mouths. We tend to begin to get in agreement with the enemy. Now, now again, I, I begin to think about this and why is it that it's so easy to begin to confess bad things over our life? Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about how some of the seed, the enemy comes and steals the word through persecution that we go through. It's in those ankle biter times that we look at our life and we go, ooh, it's the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things that come into our life. And all of a sudden, those ankle biters, because of things, if we don't put God first in our life, if we don't have the Word of God working in our life, then all of a sudden, our mouth begins to talk. And we begin to say, you know what? It's okay, because there's no outside results that have hurt me. And we begin to deny the truth in our life. And pretty soon, we don't realize it until we get from helplessness to hopelessness then now our confession is actually bringing possession of the things that we don't want. The pressure begins to start. The series of little things. The helplessness comes in and we walk in fear, worry, doubt, unbelief. Then we slip into hopelessness. We begin to say things will never change. This is my lot in life. This is where I'll always be. And that confession gives us the ability to prophesy over our own lives what's going to happen. A few years before or right after we built this church, a man came to our church and he would almost every service after church, he would come up to me and go, you know, I just, and I mean, he was always just, Big guy, but he was just bent over. He said, man, I've just been through it. I've been through it. I tell you, and, he, and just, he would begin to confess all this stuff. And I looked at him one day and I said, who's telling you all that stuff? Who are you listening to? And he, he began to, nobody. The next thing out of my mouth to him was like the aha moment that a light came on. I said, you've been listening to yourself. The things that are coming out of your mouth are coming back in and you're confessing it and receiving it. My health is all 
bad. I'm telling you, I can't afford a surgery. I'm telling you, the office don't pay me enough and I work too much. And the, the guy got big eyes and he said, so, so you, you mean, Pastor, that I'm listening to myself? And, and he was almost ready to go, you don't know what you're talking about. But he was actually in my office, in other words. You're asking me for help, so don't, don't, don't say that. And he said, I never thought of it like that. Weeks went by. Because again, when you're off track, everybody wants to take a pill, everybody wants me to pray over them, everybody, and boom, they're done. I'm on the right track. It's a change of direction and time that will lead you back to where you need to be. Now, as, as long as we have patience for this, you'll, you'll see that God's grace brings us back. It, it, we're back immediately, but I'm saying the things that we want to see in our life change, it's going to take time. Everybody know where I'm going on that? If, if you're lost and you're, you're over here and uh, you're heading to you know, Oklahoma and you're trying to go to San Antonio, I have to say, turn around. It's going to take time now to get to San Antonio. Okay just so that we're on the same page. So, so I want to begin to, again, get you to the point of realizing a lot of the little things that are biting our ankles are going to be there all of our life. It's how you deal with them. It's what is coming out of your mouth. It is in getting agree in agreement or not getting in agreement. I want to remind you that facts change, but truth does not change. Do you realize that Christopher Columbus Day, the fact was the world was flat? Everybody's like, no, it's not. Because all of us are geniuses. We know that it's not now. But if you lived in that time, the fact was that the world was flat. Nobody ought to go sailing too far off into the horizon because you're going to fall off the end of the earth. If we can begin to look at our circumstances that are around us that will speak to us. If we'll even get to the point where we realize that the Word of God is the truth that trumps even the fact of things like our financial situation, our health in our bodies, the outlook and hope of the future in our lives and our marriages. Pastor, you don't know married to that woman how hard that is. Just keep saying that and it gets harder and harder. When and I read a story, I think it was, I can't remember who read it and shared it with the other one. And we do this quite often. A couple came into a counselor and they hated each other and said, we're here, this is our last ditch effort before we divorce. How many knows if you're a counselor, that's not a good way to start the session. And so the counselor listened and she does this and she does that and he, he does that and he's no good and He's lazy. And, and so after the about 40 minutes of this, he said, I, I want you to do something for me. 
You don't have anything else to lose because you're about ready to go home and, and get divorced. Will you do something? Yeah, we'll do something. He said, I want you to write down 10 things that you like about her and you like about him. 10 things. Ah, oh, that ain't going to happen or that's not any good. That's not going to change it. Can you do it for me? Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to sometimes fight with yourself to do something different. And so they began to write down things before the next session. They came back and said, this is, you know, they're pretty shallow. I like her hair. She makes the bed in the morning. He brushes his teeth. I like that. So the counselor said, next time you meet, I want 10 more things about each other. Now, what's amazing is here's life. And if you're married, if you're married, you know change is going to come, right? Just like Tim Hogan said, change is going to come. It's, you, you easily can get out of the romantic, lovey-dovey if you don't work on it. And sometimes we can see, because of the mistakes in each other's lives, that we begin to confess out of our mouth, and the captain, the tongue, begins to say, she's the problem, he's the problem. The counselor, just to speed this story up, went three times and said ten times, ten things I want every time. that On the fourth time that they came back to the session, the story was that they looked like they were newlyweds. She was practically on his lap. Gentlemen? Because sometimes in the stress of life and what we're doing at work and what we're doing, you know, in, in life with the kids and everything that sometimes we don't realize that, again, those little things of life are pulling us away from each other and our tongues are believing and confessing it. My problem is her. I just want to say that it's so much easier to preach this message because Gwen's working in the children's church today. So I'm not saying that I got this all together, but I know the right way to do it. It's will I be able to put it in the opportunity when the stress comes in my life? Because all of us want happiness. You know that. Surely you know that by now. And when we want happiness, when we want to get to the place where we have a state change, where we feel better, we want to repeat that. And until you get to the place where you say, you know what, I'm not happy. I'm not, I want, see, people will put drugs in their life. They'll put all kinds of stuff, alcohol and stuff, trying to get a state change of being unhappy to happy. When if you listen to the word of God, and, and so is John Miller trying to listen to the word of God in my life, is what we say will change our direction and over time put us where we want us, want us or we, where we all want to be. But it's going to take work on our part. Let me give you this. Just as I'm wrapping this up is remember that Jesus again suffered and in being tempted or tested and tried as Jesus, as the man, now as the Messiah interceding for us, realize that he knows what we go through.
the symptoms are going to scream, you're sick. That, that's the fact. But aren't you glad that we have the truth of the Word of God? By His stripes we are healed. Can I just jump out of my sermon just for a few minutes, I promise. When you come to this church, you realize that there are, there are times when you might not feel like worshiping, but when you worship, you're confessing with the song. You could be reading the words, the empty grave means he was a victor. He was a victor. I have over I've I've overcome. And all of a sudden if you begin to get in agreement with those words all of a sudden you your arms are like helium as I've said before and they start God I surrender to you. Does it feel uncomfortable for the conservative person? Yes it does. But does it feel any worse than having those ankle biters tell you that this is the way it's going to be all your life? To, to get into worship realizing that in the, the, our worship, in our praises, that God inhabits the praises of His people and therefore we can experience God in our praises. Let me tell you, it's in the confession. It's in what's coming out of our mouth. You might be right now in the helpless, hopeless. You might be in the confession or you might be disgusted this morning because you're in the possession. I am right in the place that all I can see and I've got what I've been confessing. But this morning, let me tell you that here is Abraham and he's armed with the truth and the facts change. He's a hundred years old. And he says he doesn't even consider that, the Bible says. Or that his wife's womb is already dead. But the Bible's verse that I love, listen to this. In Romans chapter 4, verse 20, it says, He staggered not at the promises of God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, He was able also to perform. Do you realize that God changed His name to, from Abram to Abraham as the father of many nations? And I love the thought that every time that somebody said, what's your name? I'm the father of many nations. Oh really? How many children you got? None. He began to say it over and over. I'm, the, I'm Abraham. I'm father of many nations. I'm, it's going to happen. I'm fully persuaded that the God that gave me the promise can carry out the promise. So the question is to you and to me, are you fully persuaded that the God that you've entrusted with your salvation in eternity, the same God, are you fully persuaded that has promised to you those promises in the Word of God can fully, are you fully persuaded and convinced and can even come to the place of confessing it out loud that He can carry it out in your life. He can get you a better job than you had last year if you need a job. Don't become to the place that you can't breathe because you always want another job. I'm not saying that. But if you have a need for a job, God can give you a better job. Hmm. You can be sick this morning and nobody's saying you're not sick. Oh, 
The fact is, the doctor says it, it is your sick. But we work by the truth of God's word that says, by his stripes, we're healed. That, that truth, again, supersedes that fact. Are you able, are you fully convinced to be able to confess that out of your mouth this morning? Because here's what happens. When you begin to confess that out of your mouth, here's what, this is what's so fun. And, and people that don't really do this never experience it. But once you're fully persuaded and begin to confess it out of your mouth, then as Isaiah says, that you can look long and expect for His mercy, His grace, His victory in your life. You begin to look outside and when the phone rings, someone's pulling up and you're going, that's good news right there. That's good news for me. No matter where you are, God's promises are yes and amen. This morning, no matter what you're going through, our Father wants you to get to His promises more than you want to get to His promises. Which changes the whole picture of a loving Father. This morning, I want to ask a worship team if they'll come back. And I'm going to ask a few of the people that I've asked just to come to the front and stand along the front. We're going to confess with our mouth the words of these songs. Now, again, you can look, nobody's going to make you. You can stand with me. But, but th would you please stand? If you, you just stand there and nothing comes out of your mouth, let me tell you, there, there's nothing going to change. But this morning, if you get in agreement with the song and the worship and you begin to say, God, I am fully persuaded that you that have given me the promise can carry it out in my life. Allow God to be God in your life. Maybe it's the first time that you've ever allowed him to be God. But I wish so bad that you could stake your claim today. You say, God, I'm staking my faith on your word. That you'll never leave me nor forsake me. This morning, before you leave, I've even got a confession sheet just to start with. So that you didn't come to church and a pastor said, just memorize the word of God. But I've even got, got some verses that you get in agreement in your life. Maybe you're about ready to start school and you don't know how to pay the bill. Maybe, maybe you're in a, in a place where you're thinking, should I retire or should I keep going? What, whatever it is. Our God wants you to know that He loved you very much. And He wants you to get in agreement with Him by what's coming out of your mouth. That this morning you're going through tough times in your life. And you want to get in the power of agreement with somebody that's up here that's going to pray with you. Don't allow anything to hinder you this morning. Maybe you've made some bad decisions even financially and you find yourself in, in a place that you don't want to be in. I feel like that just hit a note. Maybe you're here and you've made some decisions that you shouldn't have made. And you begin now to confess. God, I, I'm not worthy. I, I've done some things I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have spent that. I shouldn't have bought that. But this morning, that that hopelessness will be gone. The helplessness will be gone.
and you'll begin to confess out of your mouth, God, you're able to bring me even through this. Again, would you just worship God? Confess with your mouth the words of this song. Hallelujah.